1: coach, we're ready to play. My name's John A. Tate. I'm here in my special t-shirt. All you need is plov. What's plov, John? Oh, plov's the uh, favourite um, uh, dish in uh, Central Asia. I thought I wear this because I've got my Central Asia sports report.
0: Of course, to deliver today. Of course, with a hotly anticipated sports report. That voice is report.
1: M. Collard from, Whit- from the former Whitley College. Yes, yes, as we. The defunct Whitley College. Defunct. So and James scared. Tate is. In charge of everything.
2: Yes, this is the Sporting Record. We're going to talk about sports and maybe the politics of it a bit and the cultural import of a bit and just sports stuff. And you know what? We're going to stay sporty.
0: Sports and stuff. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Before we get started on today's show, the Sporting Record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of this land from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We'd also like to acknowledge the incredible contribution by First Nations athletes to this country's sporting life.
1: On a serious note, <clears throat> I voted today, voted mm. early. Yep. Uh, Good job. St- they still ask the question are you eligible to vote early? And you just have to say yes. But then ask why. Mm. So that's Ah. what I did today
2: On that note, just before we jump right into it Just want to say, I don't know about you two But it's been a bit of a tough week in the old media landscape news cycle Mm. Mm. There's a lot going on So today we thought, Sporting Record, we're going to go with a good news week We're going to go with a couple little stories We're going to go rapid fire And just highlight some nice things that have been happening in the sports world Just so we can have a bit of a break from the... uh, the big themes, the big events.
0: Yeah, and I anticipate this week will continue to get more and more intense as um, Saturday get rolls closer, and obviously yep. we come closer to a result on the referendum, which I dearly do hope is yes, but mm. just,
1: yeah. Well, I did some research, some sporting research, as mm. I was thinking seriously about which way I was going to vote. So I thought I'll look up uh, the... Uh, Indigenous sports stars who have come out and ma- had a position on this issue. Right. Yes, yes. I drew up a column, yes and no. Yep. And in the yes column, I put all the Indigenous sports stars who've come out supporting that point of view. Mm-hmm. And in the no column, did the same thing. Great. All right. Results. In the yes column, Jonathan Thurston. Yeah, JT. JT. Eddie Betts. JT. Yep. yep. Yvonne Goolagong cawley oh, Legend. Legend. Ash Barty. Legend. Also legend. <laughs> Paddy Mills. Mm, legend. Kathy Freeman. They're all legends. They're all legends, yeah. My personal all-time hero, Michael Long. Yep. Adam Goods. Yep. Nova Paris. Yep. Yep. They're the ones I found who have actually said, this is how we stand. Nova mm.
2: Paris, the first Indigenous gold medal winner. Yeah, exactly. Mm, exactly. Legend. exactly. Huge. And,
1: and politician. She was in politics yeah. for a In the no column, I could only find one. And that's Anthony Mundine. Oh. <laughs> Anthony Mundine. Yep, that tracks. <laughs> so that's all I wanted to say. That's that, that's where, they, where they've where they come out publicly. Uh, for me, if Michael Long looked me in the eye and said, John, I really want you to vote yes on this, I would. And I mean, because he's Michael almost Long, he's essentially... Hero, yeah. On and off the footy field.
0: And he's come out and said yes, so I guess, you know, in How some can ways...
1: I, uh, uh, ancestor of uh, Scottish immigrants to Australia, coming here looking for gold. How can I say to Michael Long, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do? Yeah. Just
2: off the back of that as well, we did highlight quite a while ago that a lot of sporting organisations have also backed the yes vote, Mm. you know, from the AFL to the table tennis organisation to the wheelchair basketball. Um, And according to the yes campaign, more than 20 sporting codes in Australia have backed the yes Amazing. So that's interesting in the sports landscape there.
1: Anyway, let's move on. Let's uh, let's what what stuff have you got for us today? Do you want to go first, Em?
0: Sure, sure thing. Open the batting. Open the batting. Um, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard and go for um, go for a pretty big one that just just Ooh. broke and it's pretty exciting. Again, our theme is good news week. Just to give everyone a bit of a palate cleanser of. The intensity that's been going on. The old Swiss cheese before you try a dish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smell a little bit of coffee before another yeah. perfume. A, a bit of this. Yeah. <sighs> oh, oh, lovely. A bit of that. Mm-mm. Um, so, it's been reported this week that Stephanie Frappa will be the first female to referee a men's international soccer match. Wow. So, it's going to be um, a friendly between Australia and England at Wembley Stadium. Which is huge. That's the big one. That's, that's the big arena. That's the big one. That's that's the one where you want to um, you want to be. So that that's really exciting. She has been at, at the forefront of, um, you know, breaking down barriers and glass yeah. ceilings for quite a long time. Um, she was the first woman to referee a major men's European match and a French League One match, both in 2019. First woman to officiate a UEFA Champion League. Champions League match in 2020. Um, She, in 2021, became the first woman to take charge of a Men's World Cup qualifying match. In 2022, she was one of the three women referees selected to officiate at the Men's World Cup. Um, So I think it's her being on like a field referee in this case because I think in 2022, the women referees were all sideline um, with the flag. So, yeah, great. Great news for her. I think that's huge. Yeah. I
2: just looked her up and she started refereeing when she was 13 years old. Yep. Grew up in France, of course. Yes. Started with uh, under-19s games at sort of the semi-professional, professional professional level. And it's been up from there ever since. What a trailblazer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to see her like going from strength to strength and just being a good referee and being rewarded for that. And along the way, it happened to be creating some milestones, which is really exciting. The good thing about being a referee is you could be anyone. And as long as you officiate the game in a good way, go for it. I mean, that's true. In saying that, though, I guess it's, what it's like in Ratatouille, it's like, it's not that anyone can be a great chef, but a great chef can come from anywhere or whatever it is. Oh, that's tough. Isn't that tough? That's tough. That's tough. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. In this instance, I think that. With refereeing as well, it's it can be that anyone, any good referee, can come from anywhere, and not everyone, I don't think, has the the mindset to do it. I used to referee hockey when I was younger, and yeah. maybe it's just because I'm a really anxious little bean. Yeah, but it was hard to cop. And I was a kid; I was maybe thirteen or fourteen, and copying like abuse from coaches, and yep. f- when I was just adjudicating fellow junior. Matches and I really enjoyed it. I loved the intricacies of knowing the rules and how to apply them. But I think it's a really admirable skill to be able to take be like that calm under pressure and have like you know a stadium's worth of people yelling at you and both teams hating you. You know, it's not like you, it's not like if you're an away team, you've got your your team of support. I mean, I guess you've got the other referees, but upholding a a certain code of conduct
2: and rules and value hmm. systems, despite a hundred thousand people yelling at you at times, to yeah, do something else. That's, yeah, that's pretty tough. I,
0: I think that's really tough. Yeah,
2: I can't. I can't hack the umpire pressure. No, absolutely. I, I I umpired um, an under foot under twelves football game once, way out in Craigieburn, and that was the last game I ever uh, umpired because I told a number of players and coaches to f off.
0: So that was me in my umpiring days. Yeah, we take different approach. I just ran away, but I like your kind of you know, will not take yeah, it. Yeah, and a bit of the
2: stfu as well. Oh stfu. I nice. probably I've valid. Made my call.
0: <laughs> you know, anyway. Yeah,
1: I was a very good squash referee.
0: Yeah, <laughs> into outdoing the both of us
1: because I know I know the rules intimately, mm-hmm. and it breaks down to two things: you got to keep the game fair. And you've got to keep the game safe. Mm. That goes for any referee. Mm. That's what it's all about. Keep it fair, keep it safe. So you brought up squash, John. I did. This is an excuse for us to play our new button. Here we
2: go. What? What
1: What about squash, you ask? Well, I've got some big news. Big news in the squash world. Big news. Now, the,
2: the squash world does not have big news often, so this is big, big news.
0: Yeah, so really take note here, listeners. <laughs> now,
1: people are talking about the uh, LA Olympic Games in 2028. Yep. And all the talk's been about cricket coming back. Mm-hmm. I think Olympic Games way, way, way back at the start, uh, uh, very start had cricket for a little bit. It was in there one time and then got removed. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, I think they're going seriously considering having the 2020 competitions, men and women, at the LA Games. Oh yeah, and That's the reason exciting. for it—I haven't got the squash bit yet—but the reason for it is India. If they can get Indians <sighs> watching the Olympic Games, it's a big boost. Yes,
2: and in, uh, India has been lauded in the last decade or so as the the great sleeping giant of sport.
1: Mm. Anyway, moving on, some other sports have been. In, Considered for inclusion, seriously considered. One's flag football, which is a non-contact version of gridiron. Don't know about that. Uh, baseball, softball might be back. It was in for a long time, but it went I out. I feel like that makes think, sense yeah. to have those sports. Oh, yeah. especially if it's in LA. Yeah. yeah. And the other two are lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Evan played lacrosse. M, you
0: played everything else. I haven't actually. <laughs> it looks like it would be fun, but I think it would be. To be honest, um... don't a thing about it. It. What was it? There was some like movie from the two thousands where people were playing it, and I looked. I just got scared. I was like, I'm going to get hit in the face. <laughs> yeah, you got a big stick and you are whacking a ball. Literally, I feel the same way about hockey. Like I you know. I, know, get that I was going to face.: I grew up playing hockey, and still lacrosse scares me. Anyway, mm. Mm. Mm.
1: anyway, and the other one, after years of trying, is going to be squash.
0: Squash. Amazing.
1: Every other racket sport's already in. Why not squash?
2: So I grew up with you lamenting for a long yes. time that squash should be an Olympic sport. Yes. This, oh, was a, this was a theme of my childhood.
0: So this is actually quite a significant moment. Yeah. It is for me. It sh- sounds like for Jimmy as well. The lament is over. We can unpack a lot of trauma with this, Dad. <laughs> and I've been saying for years, it's
1: not just a Commonwealth sport, it sort of started that way, but really for many years, Pakistan was the best country in the world at yep. the game. Australia was always up there. At the moment, it's Egypt. The Egyptians are the best squash players in the world, men and women. That's awesome. But, you know, uh, number two man in the world is from Peru. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kiwis are good at it still. Uh, Great Britain as well. France are pretty good at it. USA have a uh, top woman player. So, you know, it's an international sport. The Aussies, not to be seen at the moment, it's come too late for us. But anyway.
0: Can I ask a a question, Mm. which I'm surprised I haven't looked into this more, but... What makes an Olympic sport? Like what? Who determines? Who determines yeah. why it should be considered? Who says yes? What, what's the criteria for getting a sport? Well, I think
1: in? the host city get a big say. Obviously, the Olympic right. Committee also get a big say. Yep. Mm. but the host city, I think they get get quite a bit of a. So you know. Uh, I think um, judo was introduced uh, when Tokyo had the games. You know, so they, they tend to go for something they're going to do well at. Hmm. I'd
2: also say it's to do with the growth of the Olympic event, the, the
1: Olympic event as a whole.
2: Um, you know, the introduction of skateboarding, for example. <laughs> That brings in a whole new wave, wave of people yeah. interested mm. and also people interested in competing at
1: the Olympics. I was mm. cynical about that, but you were boy, cynical. did I enjoy it when I saw it. Yeah. It was great.
0: And I feel like there's been a lot of momentum that's like it kept... I think there's still a lot of interest in it, and it's kept, um, kept mm. up pretty, yeah. pretty well.
2: I think culturally, validating something as an Olympic event is really important to people, mm. to people who want to be a skateboarder, To say you could actually win a gold medal doing that now, yeah, that just validates the whole plight. You know, I want to do this thing, and people say, "Oh, what? Where where are you going to get doing that?" Yeah, I could win a gold medal
0: now. That's
1: that's so important. to me. Well, rap dancers—they're really looking forward to France. Is that a sport? Yes, that's pretty. That's one of the new ones (laughs) in Paris. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Say that again. Rap dance, break dance, rap dance, rap dance, rap dance. You know. Rolling around on the floor. You've, you know my opinion on the Dance Olympics, so that would be perfect for the Dance Olympics. Uh, you mean breakdance, John? Yeah, well, that's the thing, yeah, same thing. It's so just...
2: breakdancing evolved out of the hip-hop evolution as well, well so well, the two are intertwined.
1: You know, back in the, when I was young, uh, we used to call it rap dancing, but anyway, I guess it's breakdancing, yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, just, just to clarify for everybody. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, a bit of an intergenerational issue there.
2: <laughs> so we're going to switch to another topic now. Mm. The AFLW has their Indigenous round or rounds coming up this next two weeks. And as always, every team rip, uh, rips out an amazing Indigenous design jumper. Mm-hmm. So I'd just like to highlight a couple, if if I may. Oh, please do. Adelaide's Guernsey is designed by Danielle Pont- Ponta's auntie, April, and I'm sorry about the pronunciation, Napangadi. Campbell, and is the same design worn by the AFL's team earlier in the year, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, for the first time, Carlton's AFL and AFLW teams will wear the same Indigenous guernsey, designed by proud Tiwi woman, Russellina Puranto-Tamari. Um, and for the first time, uh, she wanted to showcase the strength and resilience of the Tiwi women through illustrating uh, Namwariaka Spear and the Namajini armbands, which sits proudly across the front. Awesome. And Brisbane's Guernsey was designed by their small forward, Courtney Hodder, and is inspired by the Lions training facility at Springfield and spreads a message of new beginnings.
0: I'd also like to give a shout-out to the Geelong and Swans Guernseys. Mm. They're crackers. They're beautiful, really, really... I think the Geelong one... um, Might have even been uh, designed by an Awabical woman. And that's significant for me because that's the um, land on which Newcastle is. So I was like, oh, look at that person go. Um, I'll see if I can find it. Um, Yeah, but it's a beautiful jersey and it's got this really lovely dark, dark blue color with, um, that's just like, especially on the long sleeve. Mm. It's beautiful. Looks looks gorgeous. I'll it's, see if I can find the name. It's but.
2: such a good um, – it's just a great excuse to open up how important symbolism can be, how important a cultural movement this is. And every year we get new designs that people go, wow, look at that, look mm. at that, yeah. compared mm. to just the, the the boring block colors of the old jumpers. And then we can use this lens, use this art – to really open up our
0: game and think about things and represent new things, you know, new yeah, beginnings, for example. Absolutely, so we could always use that. Um, and just for reference, the artist for the cat's Indigenous jumper is Michelle Searle, and she's um, an Aboriginal woman from Newcastle. How good!
2: Hey. On that note, we'll go to a few announcements, and then when we come back, more good news stories.
0: The Kazakhstan report. The Kazakhstan report. The Central Asia sports report. Yes, Here sorry. we go. I'm ready
1: public transport's great
0: what's not great is that unless you've got
2: a radio with you you can't listen to 3cr when you're on it until now the community radio plus app lets you listen to us wherever you are get on board and search community radio plus wherever you get your apps
0: Vibe Union is bringing exciting, ongoing showcases of local talent across Melbourne. This creative collective provides a supportive platform to upcoming artists, hosting poetry open mic nights, intimate singer-songwriter evenings, and hip-hop showcases. Head along to one of their events for a welcoming night of creativity. Or see how you can get involved at vibeunion.com.au. Vibe Union is a 3CR supporter. because The Palestinian fight
2: isn't just the Palestinians fight, it's all our fight, because it's a fight not just about land, it's about a fight for freedom.
1: Everybody should be standing here today saying, free Palestine.
0: Solidarity with our Palestinian brothers and sisters. On behalf of the Gumbanja Nation, my people who've never ceded their sovereignty. We should be recognising Palestine as a state and recognising the rights of Palestinians. 3 stay tuned, stay radical.
1: Now I've been waiting weeks to do this. I believe I sent in a report yes. from Kazakhstan, a little bit of trivia for you. Yes, you did. And, and I'm a little bit hurt and offended that you haven't used it yet. Yes. Well,
0: I mean, that's reasonable.
2: There's been many big stories, John, and this is, <laughs> this is just the world of media.
0: Yeah, you've got to keep up. Okay. <laughs>
1: Confession. I wasn't actually in Kazakhstan when we recorded this. We were just in the next studio. No. But we oh. pretended. But, but I've actually put it up. So if you want to press it now. All right. <laughs> this is John Tate reporting from the field in... <laughs> downtown Kazakhstan just got a trivia question sporting trivia question for you two if you're up for it here we go I reckon I reckon so so the uh, US Open tennis is on at the moment in New York and the uh, the center where they play uh, I think it's called Flushing Meadows or something
0: it is indeed
1: but I was quite surprised when I found out what the name of the main stadium is that they play in
0: yeah, what is it? Do you
1: know the name of no. the main stadium?
0: I, I presume it's not Yankee Stadium.
1: No, no, it's I've named got. after a, a person, a famous person, as some of our stadiums are, you know, Rod Arena, things like that.
0: The You Can't Be Serious Stadium. No. Oh, that's a good one. Sounds I like that cool. stadium. <laughs> yeah. What, what's it called, John? Well,
1: it's called, it's the Louis Armstrong Stadium.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I like that.
1: Being a tennis stadium, apparently he lived nearby. Right. Well, so that's probably the main reason for calling it that which I thought was refreshing uh, rather than calling a stadium after a right-wing, fundamentalist, Christian, (coughs) conservative person who used to be quite a good tennis player when she was young.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's not
1: like we would do anything like that, would we?
2: No. No, 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 no.
1: (laughs) So uh, have a good show and I'm moving on to Kyrgyzstan tomorrow.
2: Oh, great. Well, we'll see you there. Uh, keep remember to keep us posted on all things Central Asian sport while you're over there, John.
1: Yes, well, I'll be keeping track of the Astana cycling team, which is Kazakhstan's national team.
2: Oh, great. Named after
1: Kazakhstan's city, Astana. Yes, which used to be called Astana, then they changed it. Now it's back to being Astana again. It
2: was Nur Sultan for a while, but now it's back to Astana. There you go. Wow, all this learning I'm doing today.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: Great work, John. I've got to go. I've got to get on the bus. Hey. All right, so you two showed a distinct lack of imagination there, but anyway, I wanted to play it anyway.
2: Yeah, imagination <laughs> live on radio is a, is a hard thing to do No, sometimes. I know, I
1: just sprung it on you, I know. Mm. But, so I didn't find out anything about the Astana uh, cycling team, <laughs> but I came across an amazing thing. Over there, this is in Central Asia, all the Stan sort of countries, uh, they have a thing called the World Nomad Games. Nomad. The World Nomad Games, because their culture was traditionally nomadic. Yeah, nomadic you know, peoples. Mongolia, all those sort of yeah. places. So, uh, and it, it features ethnic sports practiced in Central Asia. So, uh, started in 2014 in Kazakhstan, and it happens every two years. The last one was in Turkey in 2022. And the next one's going to be in September 2024 in Kazakhstan, in Astana, in fact. Now, they have... Um, uh, the best teams are Kazakhstan and Kazakhstan and Russia and Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan and Iran are good. Um, Azerbaijan are good. Hungary, Ukraine, Mongolia, and USA participate. USA it surprised me at first. But I thought, hang on, I suppose the Native Americans could would count as a nomadic peoples, of course. in their day. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so you know that's that, that's that. But I was really interested. I wanted to share with you the sports. Yes. They're yes. not your traditional sports. Now, there's a lot of wrestling. Yep. They have belt wrestling. They have uh, towel wrestling. They have wrestling on horseback. They have bare-chested wrestling. Whoa. They're into wrestling. Wrestling Even on horseback, horseback sounds wild. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of horse events because the horses were a big part of the culture. Yes, of course. And they're very good horse riders. Uh, so there's horse races and things like that, of course. But they have uh, mounted archery. Oh, that's pretty cool. Archery on a horse. Yeah, that's awesome. I know the
2: Japanese do that too. It's incredible to watch.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that'd be awesome. And they have their very traditional hunting with eagles. Yeah. So it's a traditional thing. They don't hunt eagles. The eagles help them catch rabbits and wolves and things like that. Wow. Right. They train them from chicks to to do this job. And so the sport is how good your eagle is at hunting. Yeah, I'm not sure how they judge it, but yes, that's it. Who's the best... I suppose it's like uh, anything. It's the man and creature and how well they work together for a task.
2: Just to think about what could be in the Olympic Games, I want to see that.
1: Yeah, it would be great. Wouldn't that be good? The majestic creatures, these eagles they're incredible. Now, there are a couple of board games, sort of with boards and rocks. I don't know what they were all about, but I guess it's something they played traditionally when they had nothing to do. But the one I really want to share with you is a game called Cockpaar. Right, and it's kind of like polo. Right, it involves yeah. horses. Yep. Teams of people riding horses with the goal of of putting something into the other opponent's net. Yep. Right, it's a rectangular pitch. They don't actually have nets. I think it's just a circle at each end. Uh, they don't have sticks, but the <laughs> the thing that they have to get into the opposition goal isn't a ball. It's not a puck. It's a goat. Oh. My God. <gasps> In fact, a goat carcass. A, car- a carcass? Yes, yes. So I believe traditionally the head was cut off and sort of sewed up, and they have to try to get the goat carcass into the opposition goal. And they're all on horseback? On horseback. No sticks. You've got to pick it up and ride and oh my grab goodness. it off the opponents. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Isn't that, how is that? as for a sport. That is... I can imagine them back Whoa. in the day thinking, "Yeah, let's you know, let's compete one tribe against another." Uh, and what you know, do we use? What do we use? Oh, I don't know. It was that dead goat over there? Let's use that.
2: Yeah, we've got this
1: carcass that we could
0: we could use. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That is anyway, fascinating. I think at the game, I'm not
1: sure they actually use a goat. They might use a simulated goat, like yes. something yeah. wrapped yes. up in a, in a skin or something. Would know. be
0: that, I mean, with a simulated carcass, that would be also quite a good <laughs> Olympic sport, I think. <laughs> I It'd get messy
1: after a while, wouldn't it? If, you know.
0: Oh, goodness, I can't even imagine. But, well, but you know, like a rubber version or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah a simulated goat.
0: Yeah. So there well, you go. That's my that's Central a, Asia report. That's a wonderful report. Thank you, John. I thought you'd like it. Yeah.
2: It was well worth going without you for three weeks. So <laughs> Absolutely. That you could do that one I
1: was sitting second. on the bus, you know, and the guy talks and talks and talks. You'd and sort of tune out. But when he mentioned the thing about the goat, I thought, what? What's that? I had to yeah. go up to him after and say, what was that
0: again about the uh, Central Asian Games? Oh, good, some investigative journalism going on there. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Great work! Yes. Um, can I share one very quick good news thing? Yep, go for it. Awesome. Well, um, again, we've got women in sport just absolutely crushing it. Yep. And recently, um, we had a person by the name of Haley Van Voorhis become the first woman who was not a kicker or punter to appear in an NCAA college football game. Ooh. So she acts as a, a safety. Um, which is on the offensive. You've got the offensive and mm-hmm. defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a junior, Van Voorhis – I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. My apologies. A junior at Shenandoah University in Winchester, Virginia, was tapped to play on last Saturday or Saturday before against um, Juanita College during a Division Three game at Shenandoah's uh, Shental Stadium. Um. They stepped onto the field during the first quarter and registered a quarterback hurry, which led to an incomplete third down pass by the... Oh, sorry. So she's on the defensive side. Um, Shenandoah went on to win 48-7, to according to the NCAA. So she joins a handful of other female athletes who have also played college football, but she is the first non-punter, non-kicker. So there were three others. In 97, there's Liv Heaston, 2003 Katie Honeider, and... Uh, in twenty twenty Sarah Fuller um all punters, so this is significant because wow. it they're you know, they're yeah. in and amongst yeah. the action, I suppose. Um and obviously football is a very physical sport, like you need to use your body a lot and a punter is like obviously kicking the furthest distance, but yeah, being a safety, interrupting the play like that and going Whoa. on to win, amazing.
1: How good's that. There you go. What a legend. Good news week. Can we finish with the mangrook theme today? Yes, we can. We've tried twice before, and I've had technical issues with it. I think we might have solved it. Yes, we will, and we'll play that.
2: So just to finish off, great work today, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, James. This has been The Sporting Record here at 855 AM 3CR, Radical Radio. We're on here every Thursday at 4 PM to talk good news weeks and bad news weeks. Mm-hmm. All uh, of them. Good news weeks today.
1: Radical issues in sport.
2: Radical issues. And we'll go to the Mangrook theme now. But our new tagline Stay Sporty, everybody.
1: Oh, so good. What do you think about that, John? Well, you haven't run that by the committee, but anyway. I'll, I'll... I ran
2: it past M. Yeah. <laughs> I am the committee. <laughs> it's the star of the show, Dad. We've got to do what oh, M says. Yeah. All right, here's the Mangrook theme. I'm, so a, next I'm, you. Week.
0: I'm a diva star. <laughs>